Thank you, Seth. Well, good morning, everyone, and Merry Christmas. Yeah, um, I am excited uh, for Christmas season. I am I'm just like my kids that I teach. I, I, I literally count down the days until Christmas break. I write it on my board. I think I told you guys all this already. Um, I'm more excited than my students to, uh, for Christmas break than them. They probably don't know that. Um, but uh, it is my joy and privilege. I get to preach to you the Christmas message this year, and so I am excited to do that. So would you uh, turn in your Bibles uh, with me to... Isaiah chapter 60, um, as Seth uh, had mentioned, I'm going to be preaching from the first three verses of Isaiah chapter 60. While you're turning to that, I want to just uh, speak a little bit about yeah, the joy uh, that, I, that I have in Christmas time. What things that I love in particular um, is, the, is the decorations. Um, I love putting up the decorations at the house right after Thanksgiving. Love the tradition that we have of putting up the tree um, and lighting up the tree. Uh, we, we have the fake tree, so we put the lights on every single branch um, so it's really lit up. And so one of the things that we do as our tradition at the end of all the decorating, um, we turn off all the house lights and then and only have the tree on. And so it's just so, it's just beautiful. We drink, you know, hot cocoa and have cookies while we look at the tree and, and um, just the warmth from that and seeing the, the brightness of the lights. Um, it's just one of the things I love about Christmas time. Um, I also love driving around the neighborhoods and seeing all the different types of decorations. Uh, even, you know, the big, ugly balloon things that are out there now. I mean, I saw one that's literally two stories high, a two-story high Santa on the way to church. Um, but also, I just, I really can enjoy the, the houses where they take the time to really just deck it out just right with the, the lights all the same colors and, and actually, did, you know, really nicely, tastefully done. Love seeing those homes. The lights. Uh, are, are the, the things that make it bright, especially here in North, Northeast Ohio. Uh, we need those lights because it gets dark so soon. And then even during the daytime, it's like we've got that gray covering over us for six straight months almost. So those Christmas lights really are nice to see. Um, and so that actually brings me to uh, the passage today and really what I want to preach on today in particular, coming into Christmas. Um, and that is the theme of light and darkness. Um, and so this uh, passage really speaks to that and, and the coming of the light of life. Um, and so the, the title of my message will be straight from our passage, Arise, Shine, for Your Light Has Come. Uh, so let's read from Isaiah chapter 60. We're going to read the first three verses together. Arise, shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you and his glory will be seen upon you. And nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. Let's pray. Father God, we praise you and thank you that we uh, get to celebrate the coming of your Son, the incarnation, the miracle and the wonder of God becoming man. God, thank you so much that in our darkness you would shine your light of hope of salvation, that you would send your son to be a baby boy, to grow and to live to be a man and to die for us, and then arise again 
and, and glorious, glorious splendor. We thank you, God, for the hope you give us in the gospel. And Lord, I pray that we would be lights for you in this season. We pray this and pray for the blessing of your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So in our passage today, Isaiah uses the imagery of light and darkness to prophesy the coming of the Lord. This, this particular metaphor of light opposed to darkness, it's used often. It's used everywhere. It's used in secular literature. It's used in pop culture. It's used um, in other religions as well. And today, though, we're going to take a very brief, a very brief look at how the Holy Scriptures utilizes this metaphor. And I think we're going to see today that no one uses it better. And I want to just say for the kids today in particular, I want you to pay close attention. Pay close attention as we are reading through God's scripture from Old Testament to New Testament to the Christmas story. I want you to pay close attention. How does God use the, the image of light versus darkness? Okay? I'm going to be using that word, those words a lot today. So pay close attention to them. If we were to study the use of light and darkness as a metaphor in the Bible, we would need to start at the very beginning. The account of the creation in Genesis, right? Genesis begins with God calling forth light amid darkness in creating the universe, dispelling the chaos. In the beginning, there was nothing. And that's what darkness was. It was nothing. And God burst forth and filled the void with his glory. And then, right after creation, darkness came again. In the form of a servant, in the fall, a serpent, I mean, in the fall of man, when Adam and Eve listened to that serpent and ate from the forbidden tree. And ever since that moment, darkness, as evil, entered the world. All of creation came under its influence, and darkness reigned on the earth. That's my first point today, is that darkness reigned. However, God chose to shine his light of grace and salvation on a man named Abraham. He promised to Abraham that he would never leave him and that he would bless the whole world with his light through Abraham's offspring. And the people of God then, since then, looked to him, looked to God for a light amid the darkened world. We see in Psalms and the wisdom literature uh, the use of the theme of light to describe God's presence and salvation and that we are no longer to fear the darkness because of him. Like in Psalm 27, verse 1, David writes, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? And also in Psalm 43, David equates the light with God's truth, leading him like a beacon. In verse 3, he writes, Send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your hill and to your dwelling. But we see in our passage today in Isaiah 60, in particular the first part of verse 2, Isaiah writes, For behold, Darkness shall cover the earth and thick darkness the peoples because we see in this part of a redemptive history 
God holding out his light of grace and mercy to his people, but his people time and time again rejected him. And so eventually they were cast into deep darkness. When Judah was conquered and Jerusalem was sacked and the temple was burned to the ground in 586 BC, the light of Israel was extinguished and God's people were in exile, living in a land of darkness. The prophet Jeremiah wrote as a representative for Israel in his book of Lamentations when he wrote, I am a man who has seen affliction under the rod of his wrath, meaning God's wrath. He has driven and brought me into darkness without any light. Although God brought back the exiles from Jerusalem, or to Jerusalem, I mean, the return was tempered by the fact that Judah was never again truly its own sovereign nation always under the rule and authority of a godless people. God's promise of a full restoration was still in the future. So his people continued in darkness, waiting for redemption. There was bitter hatred between the Israelites and their captors, especially at the time of the birth of Christ, when God would shine his light on them again. But what does that mean for us? That darkness reigns. How do we respond to that point? What's the implication? Well, what does the darkness symbolize for us? Well, darkness is the affliction and the pain that we experience, isn't it? It may be physical maladies or injuries. It could be um, disease. It could be emotional pain, mental pain that we experience, anxieties, fears, Doubts, and it could be afflictions from without, like oppression or injustice. And it can be caused, the darkness within us, the darkness in our lives could be caused by our own sin. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 4, 4, in their case, the God of this world, meaning Satan, has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. You see, we are all born into our own world of darkness, born into sin. In our lives, we allow darkness to reign with our sinful and selfish choices. And darkness invades our lives through the sins of others too, the betrayal of a friend, the harsh words and actions of a spouse, the loneliness that comes when we're left out, left alone. Darkness is all around us when we look to the world, too. Rising political and racial tensions, a deterioration of family and morals and society. Darkness is outside of us. Darkness is inside of us. The Bible describes us as having no hope and without God in this world in Ephesians 2. So our only hope, our only hope is to run to the true light. And that brings me to my second point which is that the light shines. Isaiah starts this passage with a beautiful declaration to us. Arise, arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. 
Later he writes, but upon you the Lord will arise and his glory will be seen upon you. And so what does the light symbolize? Here we see it's salvation, it's deliverance from that darkness. You see, hope was prophesied using the metaphor of light. Isaiah prophesied both the downfall of Jerusalem and her restoration hundreds of years before either of them even happened. God spoke through his prophets and Isaiah the promise of coming destruction and disaster and darkness, but also hope and light to comfort them afterward. In, ver- or in chapter 49 of, of Isaiah's book, in verse 6, he wrote, I will make you as a light for the nations, that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. So in our story of redemption, we haven't gotten to the best part yet. Hundreds of years passed after the exile and the eventual return of God's people to and from Babylon. God's people waited for their promised rescuer, the servant who would bring them back to their former glory. They were stuck again in darkness. So we fast forward to the time of the Roman occupation of Israel and Judah. And amid this political and spiritual darkness, God spoke to his people once again. A humble priest named Zechariah was visited by an angel of the Lord who brought him amazing news that his wife would bear him a son in their old age. And his son would be the herald, would herald the coming of the light of the world. Upon the birth of Zechariah's son, who would become known as John the Baptist, Zechariah was overcome by the Holy Spirit and declared a bright and glorious prophecy. So here, let's turn in our Bibles to Luke, the beginning of Luke, chapter 1. We're going to stay here in Luke as well, so you'll want to turn, to turn to this and keep it open as we read through the Christmas story. In chapter 1, starting at verse 67, it says, And his father, John's father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit, And prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show the mercy of promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we being delivered from the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you shall John now will be called the prophet of the Most High. For you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God. Whereby, here's that theme again, the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. 
Those living in despair, those living in darkness will be visited from on high by a life-giving sunrise. The sun will rise on your life and you will know darkness no more. Even those in the most desperate hour of their lives. When they feel they have no hope, God will give eternal life to them in a beautiful display of mercy. The birth of John was the precursor to the main reason we celebrate and rejoice. So the excitement is rising for the dawning of this glorious light. Some months later, in the little town of Bethlehem, the city of David, God burst forth in light. Joseph had taken Mary, who was pregnant with the promised child of God, to the town of Bethlehem to be counted in a census. Now, if we would just take a break and see, even in that story of the birth of Christ, the background is of darkness. It's a reminder that the people of God are still under the rule of a godless nation. They're not their own sovereign people. And the fact that they have to obey the orders of the Roman government to be counted as evidence of that darkness. No room for them in the end. Joseph and Mary resorted to laying their newborn baby boy in a manger, a feed trough for animals. In such a humble way to come to the earth, the Son of God came to dispel the darkness of our hearts. We see God again then using the imagery of light right after this, casting out the darkness in the story of the angels visiting the shepherds. So if you look again in your Bibles over to Luke chapter two, verse eight, it says, and in the same region there were were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. Darkness. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them The glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of a great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly... There was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. The setting is night. Perhaps the stars were out because there was no light pollution like we know here, but it was dark. It was pitch dark. I'm sure that angel, when it showed nearly blinded the shepherds with his glory and his light. They were terrified. God was using the light of his glory to announce the arrival of the light of men, the light of life, bringing peace and salvation. The news, the good news of a great joy. And so we see shortly after Jesus' birth then, his parents took him to the temple to, uh, where they were met by a man. And so we're going to pick up uh, later in chapter 2. So let's look at verse 25 now. 
Now there was a man in Jerusalem, it says, whose name was Simeon, and, his na- and, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, He took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples. And here it is again, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. When a jeweler wants to show off a diamond, they'll normally put it on a dark cloth. And contrasted with that background, the brilliance of the diamond is better seen and appreciated. Cast in the dark background of Israel's situation, God brought in eternal hope and light. His people could rejoice in the midst of their darkness for their salvation has come, brilliant in glory. The Apostle John used the light and dark metaphor more than any other New Testament writer. He described the coming of Jesus as light coming into darkness. Let me write, read to you from the beginning of his book, uh, his gospel in chapter one. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light, that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. This is cause for awe and wonder, for rejoicing and singing. The true light, God, has come as a man. The darkness has not overcome it. The implications for us today are staggering. The people of the earth made in God's image no longer need to live in despair without hope. Jesus, the light of the world, has come. Perhaps you've heard this phrase, perhaps you've maybe even used this phrase to describe yourself Maybe it describes you today. I don't know. I'm in a dark place. To describe where you are, maybe mentally or emotionally, perhaps spiritually speaking. Perhaps you are afraid. Perhaps maybe you are even afraid of your darkest thoughts. You wouldn't want them to come out into the light to be seen. You need not fear. 
You need not be afraid. Jesus has even overcome your darkest thoughts, your darkest fears. He will never reject you. As Jesus began his earthly ministry, he proclaimed that he is the light of life. He took up that light metaphor, declaring that he is the light that God had promised through his prophets. John 8, 12 says, again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus is saying to you today, Jesus is saying to us today, follow me. And your life will have eternal meaning. You will have hope for living. You will have joy so deep it will be unshakable. The darkness that you have known, the depression that comes with it, the hopeless feelings are done. I have overcome the darkness. Isaiah's prophecy had come to fruition with the coming of Jesus. In Isaiah 42, verses 6 and 7, they say, I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I will take you by the hand and keep you. I will give you as a covenant for the people, a light for the nations, to open the eyes that are blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, from the prison, who sit, those who sit in darkness. So what's our response to that? How are we to apply God's word to that? But to rejoice, to sing, for your light has come. Wholeheartedly run to Jesus for salvation, for healing, for repentance. Sing loudly as we celebrate his birth. Just as the angels sang and rejoiced as they brought the glad tidings to the shepherds, keeping watch over their flock by night. Let's follow their example and declare glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. We no, no longer need to live in darkness. Our fears are dispelled and we can face the outer darkness with confidence. When you place saving faith in Christ, the light in you is greater than the light or than the darkness outside of you. As the Apostle Paul, I'm sorry, the Apostle John wrote in his first letter, he who is greater in you is greater than he who is in the world. So this Christmas, rejoice again for the birth of our Savior. He came as the light of heaven and became a man to live and die in our place. He knew darkness that we might know light. Salvation comes from no other. This Christmas, if you are overcome by darkness and have not placed saving faith in Christ, the hope of heaven has come for you. Repent. Believe. Open your eyes to the light. Jesus not only came to live among us, but he died in our place taking the punishment we deserve, that we might have the light of life, the eternal life. The angel told the shepherds the night of Jesus' birth, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of a great joy that will be for all the people. And that brings me to my last point, and that is that the light wins. The light wins. 
In verse 3 of chapter 60 in Isaiah, it says, And nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. It describes what it looks like when light wins over darkness. The light will spread all over. People from far away will come to see this salvation. And we see it right away. It begins right after Jesus was born with the wise men coming from far away, from distant lands to worship him in Matthew chapter 2. Again, from Isaiah chapter 49, verse 6, God the Father is speaking to God the Son when he says, It is too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to bring back the preserved of Israel. I will make you as a light for the nations, that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. Pastor Ray Ortland writes about this passage. Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world, and there is no other. He is God's appointed light for the nations. Every wisdom and philosophy and moral code outside Christ lies in the deepest, outermost darkness as to salvation. But to enter into the light of Christ is to have your gloom lifted and your confusion replaced with truth and delight. He is your breakthrough to seeing everything in a new light. And his God-appointed mission to bring the light of God into our natural darkness will succeed with worldwide impact. And so what is our response to the fact that the light wins? God has commissioned us, much like he commissioned the Apostle Paul. Paul gave his testimony um, in, in Acts chapter 26. And as he was giving his testimony, he spoke, he told us of what Jesus said to him. Jesus said to him, but rise and stand upon your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you as a servant and witness to the things in which you have seen me and to those in which I will appear to you, delivering you from your people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you. Listen to this, to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. We have the light of life in the message of the gospel that we have the privilege to take to those in the darkness. As Jesus said in John 3, 16, uh, probably the most famous verse of the Bible. But he goes on after. Let me read from, uh, from this passage. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. We know this. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And here we hear it again. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light 
and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But, but, whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. Of the whole Bible, this may be the greatest summary of the gospel in those verses 16 through 18, telling us of the astounding truth that God loves the whole world, enough to send his son to save the world. And now, because the world loves the darkness rather than the light, he is sending us. He is sending those he saves into the world, into the darkness, to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus. We have the privilege of telling others of the light of the world. This Christmas, tell others why we celebrate the birth of Jesus. And in closing, we get to turn to the end of the Bible, to the end of all things. And isn't it fitting and beautiful that the last book of the Bible continues the theme of light and darkness? And we get to see how light wins. In Revelation chapter 22, verses 1 through 5, the Apostle John described the celestial city with a river of life flowing from the throne of God to the middle of the city and a tree of life with 12 different kinds of fruit. And then, starting in verse 3, he writes, No longer will there be anything accursed. But the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. And here it is again. Night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. Amen. And we see from the account of creation, God was the light. If you remember, light before the sun and the moon even came. And here we are at the end. He is our light. We need no sun. We need no lamp. So this Christmas, do not be afraid of the darkness. Mind you, don't ignore it. It's real. But remember, with the coming of Jesus, darkness's reign has come to an end. It cannot win. It will not win. We celebrate the dawn of the coming of the light of world in Christmas. And we hold a message so potent, it's like we've captured a star in a bottle. Paul likens us to jars of clay holding onto treasures that are priceless. And that's what we are. As people bustle about with shopping for presents, decorating, visiting family and friends, we have a light to shine amidst the darkness. So let's make sure we keep it bright. Let's pray. Oh, Father God, 
We praise you and thank you for Christmas. We praise you and thank you for what it means that you have dispelled the darkness in our hearts. You have dispelled the darkness in our lives. The light of life in your son, Jesus Christ, has overcome the darkness. Thank you that we can celebrate that. Thank you that we have the good news of the gospel of Jesus to share. Lord, would you fill our hearts with joy and hope in this Christmas season. And may we then be lights to shine for your glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.